you know, sometimes as fundraisers, we just need somebody to sit with us, help narrow our focus, really figure out what to prioritize. Absolutely. We are all stretched so thin and we just don't have time for it all. And that's why you should call our friend Cindy at In The Know, because that's exactly what she's going to do. She's going to coach you through it, help you strategize about your fundraising, and just reduce some of that stress. And I feel like when you have someone like Cindy helping you, it just makes the fundraising work for you. And we can have more fun, we can raise more money, and ultimately, we can help more people. Absolutely. So check her out. You can find out more at In The Know llc.com slash reframe. That's in the know, K-N-O-W, llc.com slash reframe. Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, happy October, happy Q4. What a momentous day this is being released on. Uh, This is also our third time... (laughs) Attempting this opener. (laughs) But this time we are getting it right. (laughs) Third time's a charm. We're going to do it. Yes. So happy fall is right. I don't know where you're listening, but out here in Colorado, we have had nothing but 80, 90 degree temperatures until yesterday. And it just stopped. Oh, gosh, it wasn't cold. Did you go outside yesterday? I did, and it was fantastic. I had socks on. Like, I knew. I was like, this is the day. This is the day when I put socks on, and then I never take them off until May. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And so then I put boots on, and I had a sweater on, so it truly felt like fall. All I was missing was that pumpkin spice latte, I guess. Oh, gosh. You really should have. It was a perfect day for it. I know. I know. What about you? Did you go outside? <laughs> yeah. I uh, I was going to go for a bike ride and I knew it was cold, but you know, we've had mornings in the fifties, like didn't seem like a big deal, but the wind was so brisk. Mm-hmm. So I, I opened my garage door, taking some trash out on my way to go for the bike ride. And I just hit that wall of cold and audibly said, oh, fuck. And didn't realize my neighbor was outside with his dog right next to me. <laughs> and he just kind of turned around and was like, yeah, it's cold. <laughs> you also just sounded like an 85-year-old woman when you're like, the wind was so brisk. <laughs> well, it was. But I hope you're still saying, oh, fuck, at 85. Oh, most certainly. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt. <laughs> So it is now fall. Looking forward, um, this is going to be coming out 
I mean, technically it's still September as we're taping this, but it'll be October when you're listening to it. What are you most looking forward to in October, Nia? Uh, Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, so it's my birthday. Woo woo! Coming up soon, but I'm actually not looking forward to it. Oh no! Why not? Well, you know, it just it's it's such a bizarre year. It feels it feels odd to celebrate, and I've been part of so many virtual birthdays and you know drive bys and all that kind of fun stuff. And I think especially for kids, like that's so necessary. But I kind of want to just like hunker down and be like, I'll see you next year for my birthday. (laughs) Nope. Nope. I'm sorry. You can't get out of it. It is a rite of passage. Everybody has to experience a shitty 2020 birthday. That's part of the collective experience. I think that's kind of what I'm feeling though, is like, I just want it to be shitty. Like it it almost feels (laughs) like we're all paying penance this year. And so I don't want it to be any better than that. I will tell you, your birthday last year was pretty off the hook. That was a lot of fun. Well, because two of my good friends, Miss Brittany Wilson and my good friend Shalene, put on an amazing pseudo-surprise party for me. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Karaoke, cider. favorite. Yeah, it was all your favorites. So we just, we even got pedicures. That was really, little did we know when we were planning it back then, really meant to hold you over for two years. Well, which it really did. It, and it was an odd year. Like it wasn't a, a momentous birthday. So it was truly spectacular. It's like you two knew what was to come. It's true. We had a premonition. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to Halloween, even though I have actually absolutely no idea what that's going to look like or if it's even going to happen. Yeah. Like maybe it's just canceled. I don't know. But I am such a Halloween fanatic that I might get my decorations out. I meant to get them out yesterday. Um, So I'm going to try to do it this week and get them up early, enjoy them all month long and try to find as many opportunities to dress up as possible, even if that means um, just during our weekly podcasts. I was just <laughs> where nobody say, can see me. Should we have weekly costume contests on the podcast? <gasps> I am so excited right now. I don't even know what to say, but yes. A resounding yes. And listeners, I promise you, we did not even plan this. This idea has bubbled up on its own. It's organic. And I'm so in because you're going fucking down. I I assume as much, but I was a costume designer in high school theater. So, mm, well, that might be true, but I hate to break it to you. That was a long time ago. But, you know, maybe those skills will come in handy and you'll surprise me. I can't wait to see. All right, Miss Brittany, next Monday, bring it. Okay, so stay tuned because we're going to take photos. Maybe we'll even let you all be the judge. Love it. Absolutely. Um, This is exciting. All right, I already have ideas. (laughs) Of course you do. 
Well, it's actually kind of hard, to be honest. I mean, I have a lot of ideas, but I was always the same thing every year for Halloween. There were a couple, you know, um, off years when I went rogue, but for the most part, when I was growing up, I was a witch every single year. Wow. That's true commitment. Well, it's my default costume because I feel like it's my alter ego. Um, but now I see my daughter following in my footsteps, but with vampires. And oh. I couldn't be prouder. I could not be prouder. <laughs> what amazing. about you? What What was your favorite costume growing up? Oh, um, <laughs> well, um, probably my favorite was when I was Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> oh, Got to pull out those and now there's, characters. And now there's that new TV show on Netflix about his sister. Oh, yeah. I already watched it. It's amazing. Oh. It, awesome. it was actually a really cute movie. I highly recommend Enola Holmes. Nice, light, but interesting movie. Keeps you to the end. Nice. I thought you might enjoy that if you were Sherlock Holmes for Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Super Sherlock nerd. Like, before it was cool. So, yeah, that's me. I love it. Well, I will tell you just real quick, and then I'm sure people want to hear more about what we have to say regarding nonprofits. But um, the one year that I went rogue, I was the Phantom of the Opera. (gasps) I love it. Yeah. Did you do the half mask and everything? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It was full on and talk about nerd. I was such a phantom of the opera nerd. Oh, me too. So good. I wanted to paint my room black and then put on the ceiling in -in glow-in-the-dark paint. I don't even know if that exists. The mask with the rose on the ceiling. Oh, my God. I had no idea. Yeah. How, How am I just learning this about you right now? That's why we're doing this podcast, people. It actually has nothing to do about bettering nonprofits and philanthropy. It really is just a way for Nia and I to get to know each other better. (laughs) (laughs) The world's longest icebreaker. (laughs) Uh, That's really funny. That got me. Um, Yeah. So we'll have to talk more offline. There's more to it. But it was fantastic. And my parents said no. I never was able to live out that fantasy of painting my room black. But I can't wait for my daughter to ask me one day to do the same thing. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So since this is a podcast about nonprofits, um, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about benefits. Dun-da-da-da! Um, what, one day we will actually invest in sound machines. I just did this, uh, video yesterday on iMovie and I put in canned clapping at the end of it I and I was that. looking at, wasn't that amazing? <laughs> I mean, cause how many zoom meetings with videos and there's just no response because yeah. everybody has it muted. And um, I was going through all their sound effects in iMovie, and I was like, oh my gosh, it would be so cool if we had access to these on the podcast. I would use them all the time. So maybe it's better that we don't. 
Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that sounds like an editing nightmare for me. So <laughs> maybe we'll limit you to like one sound a week. They had the kids cheering. They had crowds booing. They had clapping. All sorts of things. So maybe we'll try to bust bust that out and incorporate it in, in future episodes. Stay tuned. <laughs> okay, so benefits. Benefits. Insert canned clapping. What about benefits? Well, um, we've talked a little bit, um, kind of here and there, about the uh, poor pay in nonprofits. Um, yep, so we yep. thought we'd back that up to talk about the benefit packages that come with it. We'll often say in the sector, like, the pay is not as great as it should be, but look at all this paid time off or, you know, all these other things that we provide. Um, and in a country where insurance is based on employment status, uh, and benefits are really fucking important, especially right now. I mean, I do think that that was a common myth about nonprofit work. I mean, so I've been doing this almost 20 years and I remember being a young lass and going into this work. <laughs> I don't know. Is that what it is? And that is that is seriously what I would tell myself, like, oh, well, the pay's not great, but it's got they've got great benefits. And I just don't think that's really true anymore, is it? <laughs> Maybe it never was true. Maybe for a twenty one year old, it they seemed like great benefits, but now that I'm older and wiser, I realize not so much. Yeah, I, I think that's probably more the case. So let's start at the top. Health insurance. Okay. I pulled um, – so here in Colorado, we have this awesome salary survey. comes out every two years from the Colorado Nonprofit Association, and it includes information on benefits. So I, I pulled this year's report and the one from four years ago because that's as long back as I've actually been buying it myself – and I'm pleased to say we've seen some really great growth. So in 2016, 74% of nonprofits were providing some sort of health insurance. In 2020, it's up to 87%. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're covering full premiums, that they're covering dependents. That is not a very common thing quite yet. But at least they're offering something. Yeah, that's wonderful. I have definitely worked in a number of nonprofits where insurance was not an option. Yeah. And, you know, um, I, I feel like every place that I've worked in the last 10 years, and this is not just something nonprofit specific, um, this is just United States healthcare, but I remember being part of management and us having to look at our insurance options every year because whatever plan we currently had as an organization, it had gone up by 20 plus percent. Yeah. And that was year over year over year. So then we would go through the painstaking task of trying to decide, are we going to stick with our plan and ask our staff to cover that 20% increase? Are we going to try to go to a plan with a higher deductible that might have a lower premium, whatever, institute that only to have to go through the process again, you know, a year or two later? Oh, totally. 
I remember when I was ED of this organization, I came in and everybody um, had insurance through a partner for the most part, except for one employee. And at that time, they were paying her a stipend. Well, under the ACA, that's not legal anymore. You can't, you know, do that kind of uh, reimbursement scheme, I guess. Um, and so we spent a lot of time talking about what that would look like. And even if we were able to pay a portion of her premium, it still was going to cost her more and she was going to get less than getting it on her own. Yeah. So we, we didn't end up doing it. But then it was so hard. Like when there was a vacancy, we still didn't have insurance set up and it was – you know, to go from having no insurance coverage to some is such a big financial jump for a small organization that we kind of limped along, basically reducing our um, our employee employment pool to just those who could either afford insurance on their own or who had a partner whose plan they could be on. And that is super shitty. That I mean, quite yeah. frankly, we again, in a country like the U.S. where insurance is based on employment status, it was pretty unethical that we did that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and doesn't it just play into that whole stereotype of um, nonprofit staff? The reason they're able to continue working for the nonprofit is either because A, they're young enough that they can, quote unquote, survive on less, or B, that they have a spouse that makes a lot more money and gets all the benefits for them. Totally. Yep. I mean, when we talk about trying to have retention in the sector <clears throat> and, you know, God forbid, actually have a couple who both work in the sector and can survive. <laughs> I mean, these are the limitations, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. I will say, and this episode is not about salaries, but I couldn't help but look at the salary comparison as well. And I just pulled, you know, like 50th percentile for a few of the most common positions like DD, program director, CEO. All of them have seen a 25 to 35% increase in the 50th percentile salary. So that's good. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. It, I mean, that's significant. That's great. So what about other benefits? Um So that was just health insurance. And then what about vision, dental? Yeah, again, kind of mixed on what's provided and how much is covered. Um, it looks like a number of organizations have it available, but with zero contribution from the employer. So, like, you can kind of bundle right. it, but it's not actually, like, any cheaper for you that way. Right. And then what about paid time off? Ooh. Hmm. This is a good one. Um, again, like, a, a good amount of variety um, because there aren't a lot of mandates on this stuff, right? So, um, th they just kind of call it leave time in general, um, and lots and lots of different data points. Um, but the, I thought this was kind of interesting. So about half of organizations will have separate health time off and vacation time off, whereas the other half just does a combined PTO, use it however you need it. Do you, yep. do you, what, what's your experience been between the two? Um, I've had the whole gamut. Mm -hmm. And when it's separated, they've had different expiration dates. Mm -hmm. So um, 
you know, some of them is, oh, well, you get X amount of weeks off of vacation time, but you can't roll it over um, and you get X amount of sick time, you can roll over. And then that would be sort of the loophole for any type of maternity or paternity leave. Like, mm -hmm. well, you can work here for 10 years and save up enough of your sick time if you stay healthy so that you can take maternity leave if you want to. Oh, God, that is awful. It's awful. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, or that'll be switched. And I do find that at jobs that I have, that I have interviewed for and then have been about to accept, I don't know. It's just been my experience that um, all of these details are not always given at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be that person of saying, wait, 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 wait. No, I want to actually see this in writing. Yes. Can you show me how many weeks of vacation? What days, what holidays do you recognize? How many days or weeks of sick time? Because it just gets really loosey-goosey. Oh, yeah. And then you throw, like, comp time in the mix. Oh, my gosh. Yes. What a disaster. Yes. Absolutely. But what ha what I get, um, I mean, I, I don't know. This is where I, in my head, I have this internal struggle because, you know, my mantra is that nonprofits are businesses. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in... I recognize that. And so I recognize when it comes to benefits and these expenses, particularly if you are a um, employee-heavy organization, right? So these different organizations where they have to have staff on call 24-7. And so uh, there's a lot of cost involved with with that. I get it. I know that you that's just being prudent by sitting down and looking at all the costs involved in making those decisions. But I also feel like for me, and this is something that it's just for me, right? That I, that I'm representing Brittany Wilson by saying right now, um, being a mom of two young kids and working full time, time is my most valuable asset. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not saying I don't need the money because Lord knows like, we could use the money, but if given, if I had to make the choice for me, it's my time, you know, my time so that I can spend with my kids and, and have the flexibility. And what absolutely drives me crazy is when I accept in a job base and, and I have factored that in, I have factored the benefits package into it and then it changes. Mm-hmm. Right. And usually, and this has happened to me at organization over organization at, after organization, it's because there's somebody on the board who works PR or I mean, not PR, excuse me, HR, HR in a for-profit company and decides that let's do an audit of all of your benefits and then starts making a ton of suggestions. Ooh, that gets me fired up. Right? I mean, I can't, it has happened. It's almost comical. It has happened at almost every place I've ever worked. Yep. 
Oh, same. Absolutely the same. And the shit they cut, if I'm going to be honest, is sometimes, I don't know, maybe this is me being a little too, putting my rosy, rose-colored glasses on, but (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like we get to create a culture, right, within these organizations. A lot of us work for really small organizations. And so you have this opportunity to really build the culture to be what you want it to be. And I remember being at this organization and that happened. The HR person came in and they said, you're giving a week leave for bereavement? That's ridiculous. Why would you give somebody a whole week off? The standard is three days. And I'm thinking, we have you know, I don't know, 30 people that work here, you know, knock on wood, how many people are actually going to use that? Yeah, let's hope nobody does, right? But in the off chance that they have to, we're all working so close together. We're so tight knit. Do you really think on a Monday, somebody's parent dies and you're like, okay, we'll see you back on Friday? fucking bullshit it's such bullshit and it really ticks me off because these are the choices that if you see like wow they give a week off from bereavement yeah i hope i never have to use that but it says something more about the culture exactly and it's like that that's the place i want to work you know well and i think it also says something about being employed in america Right, like we we continue to rate the lowest in terms of family leave, bereavement leave, paid time off in general, benefits, all of that. Like we are one of the lowest countries to in terms of what we provide. And I feel like this is a place where the nonprofit sector can step up and change that. Exactly. Right? I, I feel like we have a duty to say we can continue to operate and take care of our people. We, we have talked so many times on this podcast about how that is the fact that we work these jobs because we have such a heart for a mission, it's being taken advantage of. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, again, going back to that thing in my head of, yes, I recognize this is a business, but I also see the consequences from turnover like what, what that ultimate price is for the organization when somebody leaves a position. And I just think it's, you know, I'm no business guru, but I feel like it's best business to create a culture where people feel supported. And if that means that maybe one time in five years, you have to pay somebody an extra two days of paid leave. I mean, isn't that worth it? Well, and I think we're we're seeing that play out right now, right? As you've got parents working from home with kids in school and organizations are having to grapple with what does this look like or somebody tests positive for COVID. What does their paid time off look like? How are we ensuring that they can stay home and not come in and infect the rest of our staff? And I think it's a real struggle. Like a lot of organizations yeah. haven't had to 
like they haven't had this moment where they've had to grapple with it in such real ways and with such potential impacts that it's it's hurting morale, it's hurting um, retention of staff. Um, I, I was talking to a client recently where uh, the executive director was actually having some family members who were sick. And in this place of like, I, I'm not getting the support I need from my board. So I'm thinking about having to leave my job to care for my family members in a pandemic. Right. What the fuck? That's ridiculous. I mean, ultimately, I think we're what we're speaking to is that as a nonprofit organization where we spend hours and hours and hours bringing on bringing in all these different constituents so that we can create a mission statement and values for the organization and uh what's the other vision statement your benefits should also be a reflection of that snaps yes that's my my canned applause would be inserted right here So, uh, okay, now you got me fired up. I'm going to be honest. I was a little tired today. I am dragging today. I had a big weekend. Um, But now I've got this surge of adrenaline and I'm super fired up. Can we talk about maternity leave? Yes, please. Okay. I've been through it. I'm going to speak from my own experience. I've been through it. I've been through it twice at two different organizations. Neither one offered maternity leave. I can't tell you how many places I have worked at that were women's missions. The mission was a women's empowerment mission. I mean, that's kind of my deal, my jam. Like that's where I choose to work and spend my time. I've worked at many and they don't have maternity leave benefits. How? How? How the fuck? And every time it's, oh, well, we've never really had anybody that needed them. What? Okay. But don't you think you should have been thinking about that beforehand? And if this is indeed the first employee who ever was having a baby and needed to take maternity leave, shouldn't you maybe take the time and create a benefit that is reflective of the values of your organization? Right? I just don't get it. Well, going back to like your board member with HR experience, I remember uh, I was executive director of a nonprofit. We were implementing our policies around um, parental leave generally. And uh, she said, (laughs) Uh, well, we don't have 50 employees, so we don't fall under FMLA. We don't have to worry about this. Oh, my God. I've heard that so many times. Oh, I'm I think sorry. I just blew out my mic. <laughs> like, oh, so we don't have a federal law stipulating that we should do some of these things right, and so therefore we shouldn't at all. Are you kidding me? Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. I have heard that so many times. What is that like? A get out of jail free card? Like, so now you're off the hook, and you don't actually have to be a decent employer. I don't, basically. 
what about i had one employer i don't know maybe they do these this other places i've never had any other employer do this who during my review my annual review where it would be time to talk about a potential pay increase wrapped the cost of my benefits into my salary to make it look like I was actually being paid a heck of a lot more than what I was saying I was being paid. So that's funny because I worked for a university for a while and then my husband worked for a university for a while and we would get an annual statement that detailed that. And every time I was like, I'm, are you looking for thanks? What, what are you doing here? What is, what is this about that you're trying to like show me every dime you spent on me? Can I, can I send one back to you and show you all of the time and energy I spent outside of working hours that I gifted right. to you, essentially? Right. I felt so icky. Like, again, this imbalance of power. Right. Of like, look at what we're doing for you as if what I'm doing for them isn't worth that. Right. That I should just be so grateful and thankful and not actually ask for a cost of living increase. Right. What, 1.5% or something like that? Seriously. 3%. Oh, it's so, it's so annoying. And again, we've said this, or I've constantly give this disclaimer because I never, I have never worked in for-profit America. I'm the first one to admit that. And so this is another one of the assumptions that I make the like grass is greener on the other side Mm -hmm. where they have, um, you know, like free vending machines. That's what I tell them in my head and like flavored (laughs) coffee (laughs) (laughs) and, and so then I just assume that they have all these benefits, these amazing Mm -hmm. benefits too. But I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it varies. You know, you can't lump the whole for-profit sector together. But Mm -hmm. um, that's what I envision. (laughs) That they're like, I'm going on maternity leave. I mean, we know that's not true because we're fighting for Family Leave Act in in the country as it is. So we know that's not true. But uh, Do, do you know what's on our ballot here in Colorado in November around this? What is it? Prop 118 that would create um, a family leave pool. So insurance, like kind of like unemployment insurance. So employers and employees would pay in. And then if you had to go on family leave, you would get paid a certain amount out of this statewide insurance pool. How amazing would that be? Right? Yeah. I love it. I love it too. So I think that means you know, the nonprofit reframe is officially endorsing vote yes on Prop 118. I'm behind it. Is that I our first yes. official endorsement? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, I want to make one amendment to a statement I made earlier. I did t- technically get maternity leave at one place that I worked. Um, it was two weeks. Uh, lovely. And I just want to say that having had two babies, um, and I know women do this all the time, and that's what sickens me, I was nowhere ready to come back to work after two weeks. No, absolutely not. So 
that's another thing. Oh, yeah, well, we have maternity leave benefits. Here you go. Here's like the same as you would get for like a vacation to Florida. Right. <laughs> but you have this whole new being in your house. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, uh, going through the salary survey, I was also just kind of surprised at some of the other benefits um, like that don't typically hit our consciousness. Um so, I mean, some of them, I guess, are probably more common, like an employee assistance program. I've certainly had those before. Uh, tuition reimbursement, transportation passes. Here in Colorado, we got the Eco Pass that a lot of employers will buy into. But <laughs> have you ever been offered pet insurance? What? Yes. Pet no, insurance. I have not. I have to assume that that is from like pet-related nonprofits. Yeah, I would think so, because I have never heard of such a thing. Wait, you didn't know that pet insurance existed? No, no, I definitely know oh, that okay. because I pay it. <laughs> because I've, I have had plenty of pets in my life and have paid a lot of money to insurance. Um, I have never, I never thought that that would be something my employer would cover. Oh, yeah, same. <laughs> That's I know, fantastic. I know. They're they're kind of fun. Uh if I ever go back into the sector, I'm going to look for one with pet insurance. Uh, we have to wrap up pretty quick, but we have to talk about, before we leave, retirement. Oh, yes. <coughs> Thank you. I was going to bring that up. So back in um, my younger days, when I first came into the nonprofit sector, I worked for this place. I was 21, and I worked for this place who... Um, had a 403B, and as soon as you joined, they immediately put 3% in. Lovely. Whether you opted in or not. Mm -hmm. And then if you wanted to contribute, they would match up to another 3%. Oh, nice. So you got 3% no matter what, and then they would opt in to another 3%. So you could, if you said, I'm going to opt in 3%, you could be getting 9% put in. Wow. I, if I only knew then what I know now, mm -hmm. and this is what I, I have a way of mentoring young women in the industry w without them even asking me or maybe potentially wanting me to. <laughs> I just, I just go ahead and assign myself that role in their life. And Lovely. this is. This is one thing that I constantly get on them about is starting a retirement fund and contributing to it, um, you know, without even knowing what their employer is willing to match or not match or yada, yada, just so they can get into the habit of doing it because I didn't. And now when I look back, it was such a missed opportunity. I mean, I just kick myself for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what about you? I've worked at, and then I've worked at places where they don't give you any retirement until you've worked there for two years. Two years? Two years. You Are have you to fucking be, kidding that, me? 
Yeah, and that's like a ridiculous benefit for fundraisers because we're rarely there for more than two years. Well, like, is that the carrot that they're trying to dangle? After two years, we're going to match 3% of your retirement? Are you fucking kidding me? I know. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It makes me so angry. And you know what? Even if you're going to do that, I feel like there needs to be a stronger push to get people just to set it up for the first two years. Yeah. But it's like it's not even talked about until you hit the two-year mark and then it's, oh, here you go. Now you can do this when, you know, you've had two years that you could have been contributing something but haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that stuff makes me so angry. Uh, for our listeners who aren't in the sector, just to clarify, a 403B is like an, a 401k, but it's only uh, available to nonprofits. Um, I think probably most commonly I see a 403B or a simple IRA, which is meant for like small businesses. Um, but the the way that nonprofits like play this game with matching drives me insane. Insane! Like, give us an example. So there's an organization I worked with and they would wait till the end of the fiscal year every year and the board would vote on whether or not to actually put in a match. So it wasn't guaranteed, right? Like you as an employee, you're like, okay, you know, we recommend you use this thing. And maybe if we did well financially, we'll match it at the end of the year. That's so fucked up. I'm, I'm sorry. And again, like. What's the point of our benefits packages, right? Like part of it is to reward our employees, to retain them, but also just because like we want to ensure that they are set up to like be successful in life, like so that they don't have to work into their 80s, which by the way, can we talk about that real quick? I It went viral last week. Um, this guy who's like a pizza delivery person. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, and then they and, did they did a TikTok fundraiser for him and made like sixteen grand for him. Yeah, and it was like it was all over. Oh my gosh, this is so amazing! All these people raising money. If I am delivering pizzas in my eighties, that that's a critique of society. That's a critique of the the economic systems that would allow that to happen. Yep, he works. So like, he said he works thirty hours a week. Oh my god! Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, let's just, let's set up retirement plans for our nonprofit employees. Let's put in regardless of whether they do or not. And let's do it generously. And let's be a motivator. I mean, yeah. I, here I am, 21-year-old Brittany. Now, I, I wasn't paying full attention then, but had somebody said, like, look, you can either put in, the more you put in, the more they'll match. Right. And and that would have motivated me to put in more. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's ridiculous. I worked at a place once where I took the job, was offered the benefit of a 403B, but did not know that only five people in the organization were given that benefit. <gasps> it wasn't universally applied? No, which is against the law. Holy fuck. And I was just kind of grandmothered into it because the person whose position I was replacing had the benefit. 
and it was only senior staff. And then I find out through conversation randomly, I don't know, six, eight months later after I've started from other staff members, what do you mean we have a 403B? I've never told we had a 403B. And then the organization had to go through, because then the, the board found out, and then, oh, you're breaking the law, and had for many, many, many years, and then they had to spend a crap ton of money to get it all in compliance. Oh, I'm sure. But while they did that, they stopped matching. Oh, sweet Jesus. Wow. Wow. It's so frustrating. I will say when I took that job as executive director in like the offer letter, obviously I had the salary and it talked about a health benefit and a retirement benefit. Um, I didn't realize till I took the job that it was also my job to set those up because they didn't exist yet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. We have a retirement benefit um, if you set it up and organize it. Right, (laughs) right. We have the intentions of one. Right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, So to our listeners out there, I think, you know, if you're in a nonprofit right now, look through your benefits package. See if you're actually providing benefits in a way that's effective, that align with your fucking values. Yeah. And that ensure that you are being a an ethical employer. And if you are applying for a job with a nonprofit, in addition to asking about your salary, ask about their benefits, but don't just be, don't just be satisfied with, oh, yeah, we have medical too. Get them laid out in writing exactly what the benefits are before you make your decision. And hopefully as a sector, we can shift this. Like, let's, let us as nonprofits be the example for the rest of the, the country on how we can actually properly take care of people. Well, and... I mean, so that we end on a semi-good note, according to the survey that you looked at, it's showing some small trends in that direction, right? Well, and I, I think it was probably five, ten years ago that we were saying, salaries are awful. Let's fix this. And so those are trending positive. Now let's have that conversation about benefits. They're awful. Well, let's fix it. And uh, we'll check in in five years. And let our listeners know how that's shifted. Nia and I will still be here and we will let you know. Well, we want to hear from you. I mean, we can talk all day, obviously, because that's what we do. Um, But we would love to hear your stories too. What are some stories that you have around benefits and working in the sector? Um, I'm sure there are some really good ones out there. And by good, I mean horrifying. But we would love to hear them, expose them, talk about them so that we can shift this. Please email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and make sure you're following if we're going to be doing this costume contest. That's right. I'm so excited. Maybe I'll resurrect my phantom costume. Oh, I cannot wait. And as always, if you are in a position right now where you're able to, please support your nonprofits financially, give and give generously. Thanks, everybody.
we would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.